You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked On Wolves, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunkin' with Wolves, the Timberwolves site and the fan side of network. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy Timberwolves game day. The Wolves take on the Denver Nuggets tonight at Target Center. We're going to preview that game here off the top of the show, along with several other things. First of all, though, thank you for making Locked On Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms from Apple to Google, Spotify to Odyssey and beyond. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, so we're going to preview Wolves Nuggets here first, and then a couple other things I want to get to. I want to look at each month of the season, uh, kind of just the record from each month, what happened in each month, what does that tell us about what to expect in February, given the upcoming schedule. The next week or so is actually really favorable for the Timberwolves in terms of opponents. So now that January is in the books, I want to go back and look at each month individually. And then I want to close by looking at power rankings. Uh, Each of the major NBA outlets or outlets that cover the NBA, I should say, has their weekly power rankings that have come out. ESPN, The Athletic, Sports Illustrated, NBA.com. And I want to take a look and see where the Wolves are on those lists and and give some context to it and, and my thoughts on those rankings. So it's all upcoming on the show here today. We'll get you ready for Wolves Nuggets tonight off the top. So. The Timberwolves take on Denver at Target Center. The last time the Wolves in Denver played, Minnesota won that game pretty easily. It was a 17-point final uh, or 17-point final margin for Minnesota. That game was actually in Denver. Remember, the first time these teams played was all the way back in late October. The Timberwolves coming into the game were 3-1, and and they were hosting Denver. Denver came out of that game with a 93-91 win, a really low-scoring affair. The Timberwolves' leading scorer, believe it or not, was Malik Beasley. Remember, to this point in the season, the first four games, he was not good at all. He was quite good in this game against his forward team. And of course, since then, that's kind of been the theme of the season, right? Every five games, Beasley slips in a a good performance. And then the other four, you know, four out of every five games, it's a pretty brutal performance from Malik Beasley. And then there's a good one. This was the good one. Uh, Lo and behold, against his forward team, he led the team and scored with 18 points. The Timberwolves' big three each scored 14 points in this game. Edwards, Towns, and Russell each scored 14 points. And for the Nuggets, uh, Nikola Jokic had 16, 19, and 7 in a dominant performance. But nobody else on the Nuggets scored more than 16. They only had four players in double figures. The Timberwolves had five in double figures. This was a two-point Nuggets win. Disappointing at the time because of it was just an ugly game and a game that Minnesota easily could have won and moved to 4-1 four and uh, four and one on the season at the time. Instead, they were 3-2 and two, and then didn't face the Nuggets again until December And that was the big Anthony Edwards 38-point performance. He made 10 threes in that game, shot a crazy 14-21 from the field, made two-thirds of his his shots from the field, 10-14 of on three-point attempts. He scored 38 points in that game without attempting a single free throw, which is crazy. Towns had 32 points for his his part in this one. Um, And D'Lo had 16-8 and 7. As for Denver in that game, 27, 11, and 10, a triple-double for Nikola Jokic, but they only had five guys in double figures. Monty Morris was their second high scorer with 15 points in this game, and uh, that was kind of it. Denver did not play well. Minnesota had a 40-point first quarter, had 75 points at halftime, and kind of cruised to the win in the second half. They Going into the fourth quarter, they actually had a 20-point lead and ended up winning by 17. So a tale of two games. However, the Timberwolves have played the Nuggets really well to this point in the season, um, and I think... 
part of that, and they had lost, it was double digits. It was like 12 or 14 consecutive games against Denver until they won the game in December against the Nuggets. So I'm not about to suggest that the Nuggets are a good matchup for the Timberwolves. That's not the case. But this year, at least so far, through the first uh, 60-ish percent of the schedule, 55% of the schedule, whatever we're at now, um, there are some strengths that the Wolves have that line up with Denver weaknesses and vice versa. So for instance, um, I mean, the Timberwolves are a poor defensive rebounding team. They have been all season. They've been bottom five all year in terms of defensive rebound rate. Well, the Nuggets don't really get a whole ton of offensive rebounds. So Minnesota should be able to get away with, especially they're, they've been better lately. The Wolves have on the glass, I think, playing bigger lineups. Obviously, Jared Vanderbilt played a lot more than he was earlier this season. Um, so that that that's manageable for Minnesota. Also, the Timberwolves continue to be the league's most foul-happy team defensively. They commit the most personal fouls of any team. They give up the highest opponent free throw rate of any team, of any defense. So opponents, it's a, it's a parade to the free throw line. Every time a team plays against Minnesota, the Nuggets for as good of an offense as they have, they actually don't get to the free throw line all that often. Um, in terms of their free throw rate on the season, I'm going to get the exact number here, but, but they're not a team that gets to the line with a great frequency. They're actually 28th in free throw rate offensively. Um, and so, and 29th in free throw attempts per game. And we're talking about an offense that's top 10. They're currently 10th in offensive rating over at, uh, at basketballreference.com, but they're 28th in free throw rate. The Timberwolves continue to be the league's worst team when it comes to opponent free throw rate, allowing their opponents to shoot free throws. Um, so that's another area that the Timberwolves could get away with their struggles there because the Nuggets don't have a strength that matches up with it. Um, and then the other thing about Denver is that they don't currently have a, a, a player that can really be an Anthony Edwards stopper. Um, I mean, they've got Jeff Green, who at this stage in his career, I thought personally, I always thought he was a little bit overrated defensively, but you know, I mean, he's one option. You obviously have Will Barton, who's probably their, their best option, although undersized to stop Anthony Edwards. So it'll be interesting to see how they try and stop him. Obviously it didn't work last time, 38 points on, you know, 10 made three pointers in that game. Uh, but, you know, going back to the first game, Ant scored 14 points and it took him 19 shots to do it. He was 0 of 6 on three-point attempts to that game, but he did have 11 rebounds. The other thing is D'Angelo Russell at this, as of this recording late on Monday, is still listed as questionable for this game. If he doesn't play, Anthony Edwards is going to have the ball in his hands a whole lot more. And even if, even if he is, you know, ultimately passing it to someone else and not actually initiating the offense. He's bringing it up the floor. He's still going to have the ball in his hands more often, or maybe he's not bringing it up the floor, but still ends up being the one with the ball in his hands, making the decision in the half court offense for Minnesota. So we'll see how Denver chooses to play that, but it's just, it's a good matchup for Anthony Edwards. And it's not like, I mean, Denver's got a good defense, right? I mean, they're, they're, they've been really top 10 for most of the year. They're currently number 12 in defensive efficiency. Uh, but it's not like they're a big shot blocking team. They're 29th at block shots per game. They don't have really rim protectors. I mean, Jokic leads this team in blocks and he's not known for being a shot blocker. So Edwards should be able to get what he wants against this Nuggets team. And, and that's why I think Minnesota has a, a real shot, certainly. I mean, playing at home, they've also got the advantage. Denver, well, Denver's been playing great of late. Nikola Jokic is actually listed as questionable in this game, by the way. Uh, with a, I think it's a toe. Yeah, it's a toe injury. So he's listed as questionable. He hasn't missed any time with it. So, I mean, I'd expect him to play, but it's notable also that Denver has a game on Wednesday. So this is the front end of a back-to-back for Denver. They go to Utah. They have to travel from the Twin Cities to Salt Lake City for a Wednesday night game, an ESPN game against the Jazz. 
This is also the second to last game of a six game road trip for Denver. So it could be in their best interest to rest Jokic and, you know, let him play the national TV game Wednesday, gets another day off before their game Friday back at home. Um, or maybe this is the game that he plays in and they they let him rest Wednesday. So he has three days off in between games Tuesday to Friday. Um, I think it's likely he plays. That's just a guess. But um, at any rate, something to keep in mind, Denver has won five consecutive games and is, you know, still pretty solidly in position in the Western Conference. What are they? Uh, they're currently fifth. They're only a game behind Utah for the fourth spot. They're tied with Dallas for fifth but that's still three and a half games ahead of Minnesota. So obviously the Timberwolves winning this game is great for a number of reasons. They would then have the lead in the tiebreaker and they couldn't lose the tiebreaker to Denver in case they end up at the end of the season with the same record, right? Because they would be ahead of the season series two to one with one game to play. And also it would bring them a game closer to the fifth spot in the Western Conference. They're currently three and a half games back from the fifth and the sixth spot for that matter. So a decent matchup for Minnesota, obviously a difficult game. But, I mean, especially if Jokic doesn't play, this would be a game that Minnesota should win, even though they may not have D'Angelo Russell. Patrick Beverly's also listed as questionable once again. Pat Bev, of course, has missed the last five games with the sprained ankle he suffered uh, nearly two weeks ago now. So uh, we'll see if Beverly or Russell's available. I think, I mean, certainly if Jokic doesn't play, even if Russell and Beverly don't play, it's not all too dissimilar from the Jazz game Sunday. The Timberwolves would then be expected to win this game. If Jokic does play, uh, Minnesota should still be competitive, even without Russell and or Beverly in this game because of the way these teams match up. All right. Uh, next, what I want to do is I want to look at, uh, at uh, let's see, what are we doing next before we get to, um, before we get to, I want to look at schedules next. I want to look at each month to this point, how have the Timberwolves done on a monthly basis? What did January look like? And what I expect February to look like? And then we'll get to power rankings here at the end of the show. First though, let's talk about our new friends over at TurboTax. People think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes, but for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. We all have unique lives, whether you invested in crypto for the first time this year, own an up-and-coming small business, or are simply raising rambunctious twins. Luckily, TurboTax Live has experts who can answer your tax questions, walk you through the whole process, or do your taxes for you from start to finish. They help you get every deduction you deserve, no matter your, your unique situation, and you can talk to a TurboTax Live expert through your phone or computer without leaving your house. TurboTax Live experts are here to help you however you need, and if you need an extra hand, hand your taxes off to them, and they'll do it all for you. To TurboTax Live experts, an interesting life can mean an even greater refund. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. They've got your taxes. Into it, TurboTax Live. Hey, let's also talk about our friends over at Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Wines are often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer with access to rockauto.com both at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could possibly need, from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. You can explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we set you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. 
Uh, once again, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, a reminder that the NBA trade deadline is just a week from this Thursday. That's February 10th at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. And the Lockdown NBA podcast will be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. That's Eastern time. So 1 to 3 in the Central time zone. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Lockdown Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Lockdown NBA on YouTube and turn your notifications on so that you know when they go live. All right, uh, let's go ahead and talk month by month of this season so far for the Timberwolves. Where are we sitting? So October was only five games. The Timberwolves went three and two in October. So let's combine October and November, the first you know six weeks-ish of the season, really kind of five weeks. The Timberwolves went 11 and 10. They were eight and eight in November. So 11 and 10 combined during those first two months. You'll remember the Timberwolves went on that little, they had that little post-Thanksgiving bump. They had the big win over the Heat at home. Uh, they Stumbled in Charlotte, but then they won whatever game was right after that. Edwards had a really strong stretch there, really kind of beginning with the Miami game. And it, things things were looking up, right, headed into December. And then we get into December, and there's the big losing streak, the five-game losing streak. There's a couple of injuries mixed in there. There's the Towns, uh, uh, or I guess the Towns thing was before Thanksgiving, but you had the D'Angelo Russell injury. There was another Patrick Beverly injury. And then Anthony Edwards is out with COVID. The Timberwolves beat the Lakers on Friday night anyway. But then all of a sudden, everybody on the team basically has COVID and you have seven of your essentially nine rotation guys out at one point because of health and safety protocols. And the Timberwolves have Greg Monroe played heavy minutes that, you know, they win that game against the Celtics right after Christmas. All in all, they finished December with a five and nine record in that month. And given how difficult the schedule was combined with all the injuries and really more the COVID stuff that they had, I said this at the end of December, it obviously was ugly, but it could have been a little uglier. So um, the fact that they salvaged five wins wasn't the end of the world. And I was hoping that they'd win nine or 10 games in January. I believe I said this at the end of December. I thought 10 wins would be an optimistic view of January. I thought eight or nine was more realistic. Sure enough, they finished January with a nine and six record in the month. Of all the months of the season, um, this was this was their most impressive. Uh, it featured their most impressive stretch of play overall. And um, it, it really kind of, there's really just better vibes around the team now than there were a month ago, certainly. I, I think that, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and if we if we look at the schedule, looking, well, actually, let's quickly, going back to the rest of January, really. Um, if you look at some of these wins that the Wolves had, they, they took care of business early, which you would have expected. They won, you know, they lost the game at the Lakers, which was uh, 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 no Anthony Davis, but LeBron James was playing for the Lakers. Disappointing loss, but then winning the games they should win. A, a Clippers team with no Paul George, obviously no Kawhi Leonard. They win both games against Oklahoma City. They win the Houston game. So they win all four of those games you'd expect them to win. They lose the tough one, the buzzer beater, beater to the Pelicans. Then they're competitive but lose to Memphis. They beat a Steph Curryless Golden State team. They beat the Knicks on the road. They get beat pretty easily in Atlanta, which was disappointing, but then beating Brooklyn beating Portland last week, and then the Golden State Phoenix losses are disappointing, but not unexpected, and then catching a break with a uh, with a, a banged-up Utah team with no Donovan Mitchell, no Rudy Gobert. So it's really hard to look at that list and say, man, that was a bad loss. Obviously, losing to the Pelicans isn't great, but you lose a buzzer beater to, to a team that's been underachieving all year. Not the end of the world. Uh, you'd like them to be more competitive against Atlanta. I think the Memphis game had a really disappointing finish, obviously. But you look at that schedule and you say, I said this at the start of the month, nine wins is a solid month. Now, looking ahead at February, 
it starts off really similarly to January for Minnesota. I mean, the Denver game, similar to that Lakers game at the start of January, you know, a tough game. Denver is probably going to be favored by a couple of points at, at bet online. Um, and I, even though it's in Minnesota, Denver's won five straight games. Minnesota may not have D'Angelo Russell. They may not have Patrick Beverly outside of this, you know, shorthanded Utah win. They had struggled the two games prior to that defensively. Maybe this is a tough, a tough win for Minnesota, but it's, it's a game they certainly could win. And then you get four games against two of the teams that have struggled the most in the league this year and are very likely, uh, well, in the case of Detroit, certainly not playoff teams. Um, you know, the Detroit Pistons, who are 12 and 37, they're the second worst team in the entire NBA. They get two games against them. They get two games against the Kings. The Kings are currently tied for the third worst record in the West at 18 and 34. So Minnesota gets Denver. They go at Detroit, home for Detroit, and then back-to-back games in Sacramento, February 8th and 9th, consecutive games at the Kings on consecutive days. So you're looking at a start to the month where the Wolves should go at least three and two in those five games, potentially four and one. If you think they beat Detroit twice in Sacramento twice and lose to Denver, maybe they beat Denver. They drop one of those four games against Detroit and Sacramento. I think three and two's the most likely scenario. Four and one's plausible. At Chicago, at Indiana, not super easy. Obviously, Indiana is a disappointing uh, team so far this season. They should win that game. Um, Chicago, a little bit banged up as well, but... Uh, I mean, they're still the best team in the Eastern Conference as we sit here right now. And then uh, home for Charlotte, home for Toronto, home for Memphis, home for Philadelphia. Crazy four-game homestand, which hasn't happened in seemingly forever. That spans the All-Star breaks. The All-Star breaks right in the middle there. So I guess it's not really a four-game homestand. It's kind of two two two-game homestands on either side of the break. But of those four games, the Wolves should win at least two, maybe three of those four at Cleveland to finish out the month. So, I mean, looking at this schedule, for me, this should be another month with the winning record for the Timberwolves. Uh, I, I think to be fair, it's probably, a, if I'm if I'm being entirely realistic, it's probably a seven and five month for the Timberwolves. That's a realistic good case. Um, you could certainly argue they, they should go eight and four. Yeah, they probably should go eight and four, but realistically seven and five sitting here right now at 500, that puts them two games above 500 heading into March. That's a pretty good place to be. And it's certainly at the very least in the play in the Western Conference, so a seven and five month would be nothing to sneeze at. Now there's the Timberwolves haven't had very many back to backs to date. They've got a couple sets here in the month. They've got the two at Sacramento here upcoming in the first uh, ten days of February. They have a home back to back on both of those on either side of the All Star break. Well, I guess oh yeah, both of them are back to backs. Um, so there's two more back to backs there. So they've got three back to back sets in this month. So six of the twelve games they're playing in this month are either on the front or back end of a back to back set. Um, all that said, I think a seven and five month is plausible. I think it's realistic. I think it's what the Timberwolves should aim for. And that would put them at what, 32 and 30 heading into March and in prime position to certainly be at the very least a play in team in the Western conference. Okay. Let's close the show today by looking at power rankings from around the league, check in on some of our favorite scribes who compile these rankings. We're going to do that next. First though, let's talk about our friends at bet online. There might be less football being played right now. But BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football either, of course. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. 
All right, let's talk power rankings. So uh, most of these sites do these things on late Sunday, early Monday. So this would factor in the Timberwolves win over the Jazz and, and I think every case here. Um, so we'll start with ESPN. They typically are a little bit harsher on the Timberwolves. ESPN had the Timberwolves 15th last year, or excuse me, last week on their power rankings. And you look at this past week, what did the Timberwolves do? I mean, they beat Portland. They lost the two games to Golden State and Phoenix, which you'd expect both back-to-back, both on the road, uh, or I should say on a back-to-back on the road, and then beat a shorthanded Jazz team. So I don't know. I feel like their ranking should be pretty similar because that's that's what you'd expect out of this past week. ESPN dropped them two spots from 15 to 17. They were jumped by the Celtics, who are now a game above 500. They were jumped by the Hawks, who who has won seven games in a row now. They went from 21st last week in the power rankings to 15th. This is essentially the Hawks are playing now like everybody expected them to all season after making the Eastern Conference Finals last year. A lot of Anyeka Kongwu recently for them. Um, but at any rate, they jumped the Timberwolves. The Celtics jumped the Timberwolves. The Wolves are still ahead of the Clippers and the Lakers, just as they are in the standings. But Minnesota's 17 on ESPN's list after being 15 last week. Um, they are also 17 on Sports Illustrated's power rankings after being 15 last week. Uh, the Really the exact same ranking, the exact same deal at SI and at NBA going from 15 to 17. Over at The Athletic, Zach Harper um, has also been more hard on the Timberwolves this year than, than some writers have been. And he bumped the Timberwolves from 19 to 18. So he's got them up a spot after the two and two week. He talks about how Carl Anthony Towns should be an all-star most likely if it comes down to Townsend Gobert. He thinks the coaches may lean Gobert. Um, he also campaigns for Anthony Edwards to do the skills challenge, the dunk contest, and the three-point shootout because he may be, uh, this is true, he's probably, if any, of all the players who could be convinced to do all three and could actually win all three, he may be your guy. Obviously, he's gone on record as saying he doesn't want to do the dunk contest. He's an in-game dunker, and I respect that. Uh, it would be fascinating. It would make that night a ton of fun for Timberwolves fans, really for basketball fans as a whole. We're really just fans of entertainment because, I mean, who wouldn't want to see Anthony Edwards do that and give an interview in between each of those uh, each of those performances? But at any rate, the Athletic has the Timberwolves 18th on their power rankings. And then, of course, my favorite power rankings, NBA.com. John Schumann last week had the Timberwolves all the way up at 14. He slid them one spot to 15. So 15 there, 17 at ESPN, 17 at SI, and 18 at the Athletic. We're seeing this kind of normalize right in the middle of the pack. I think... They're going to start to move up just a little bit uh, with how easy the schedule is here upcoming in the next couple of weeks. Um, John Schumann on his ranking notes that the uh, the Timberwolves have had success with Anthony Edwards running the offense, um, but the defense obviously struggling now all of a sudden. Um, and he mentions the Warriors and Suns losses, but those are kind of to be expected. You're talking a largely healthy Warriors team, only missing Draymond Green, so all their big offensive pieces were there in terms of scoring and shooting the basketball. And a Suns team that just is beating everybody, um, you know, the defensive metrics don't look good and the trend line isn't going in the right direction when it comes to the Wolves defense. But uh, it was very good against a depleted, admittedly, Jazz team on Sunday. But still, the activity level, the on-ball defense, the interior defense, the rebounding was all good enough on Sunday to beat uh, a Jazz team that's still decent and still well-coached, even with no Mitchell and no Gobert and no Ingles for much of the game as well. Um, But still... Uh, I mean, coming up now, Detroit, Sacramento, and then the Denver game this week, the Timberwolves defense has a chance to get right, and uh, Schumann notes that as well. So uh, that, to me, is is the best power ranking system out there is what John Schumann does at NBA.com. So 15 there, 17 in a couple of places, also 18. Uh, interesting, um, interesting breakdown of where the Timberwolves sit, and interesting to see where 
some of these national writers place the Timberwolves on their respective power rankings. All right. As mentioned, Wolves Nuggets on Tuesday night. We'll do the postgame pod immediately following the game. So late Tuesday, you'll have your Wednesday podcast posted live on YouTube and all of your favorite platforms. And then, of course, the rest of the week, we'll have your Thursday show. We'll preview the Thursday night game uh, for the Wolves, as well as do the postgame pod following the game Thursday for your Friday show. So a packed week. Make sure you're following and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, and thank you to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. And of course, we're, av- we're available everywhere, YouTube, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, anywhere you like to listen. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. A reminder that Lockdown Wolves is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Of course, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Also, while you're making Lockdown Wolves your first listen, don't forget about Locked On Bets for your second listen. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.